Today's episode is brought to you by Mother Love. Mother Love makes herbal care products for pregnancy, birth, baby, and breastfeeding. I know I couldn't get enough of their More Milk Plus supplements when I was nursing my twins, and I've recommended it to countless clients in years since then. I also love their nipple cream for any sore nipples or any nipple irritation. For more information, check them out at motherlove.com. Hello, Arrow family. This is Tara Lucier with Arrow's Angle Podcast, and today we have an awesome birth story that I'm super excited to bring to you. We are with one of my favorite past doula clients and friends. Her name is Chloe. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know. This is going to be so fun. So um, Chloe and I, well, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone, Chloe, when did we meet and how did stuff happen? So I actually went back in my email just before we hopped on the call to see when we established contact. You came highly recommended as a doula. I knew I wanted a doula. Um, You came recommended by a colleague of mine. I taught with her. And I reached out to you fairly late in pregnancy, according to my email. So we, um, we ended up getting in touch maybe around like... 20, 22 weeks. So I don't know if that's considered late for um, making a connection or not. And so we met at about, I think, 26 or 27 weeks for our first mm-hmm. um, prenatal kind of get together. And we had a couple of meetings. And then, of course, you were there for the birth. And you've been a continuous, amazing resource. So oh, we, um, and I think one of the reasons why I reached out later was I actually had a a doula who I worked with, this sounds strange, but it was actually amazing. A doula who I worked with online, uh, mm-hmm. we would FaceTime and she, oh, cool. she's based out of Boulder, but she had these online doula services. And I, I just found that I, I needed like therapy while pregnant and I oh. couldn't, and this was before I had found you, I needed, I just needed someone to help me with my mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I had this support, you know, we spoke every week. Um, and it was really, it was truly therapy for a woman that was pregnant. Um, so it sounds a bit like, um, you know, Arrow tried to coin the term, or we did, I should say we did coin the term birth consulting. Yes. Um, but that, so that sounds a bit like that. Cause obviously Mary and I and Melanie have been doulas for a long time and now we're doing the birth consulting, but yeah. yours sounds a little more therapy. Ours is more like topic oriented. And of course it can get therapeutic, um, yeah. But it sounds like yours was kind of a hybrid of like birth. She had birth knowledge, but also th- therapeutic knowledge or yeah. therapy knowledge. Yeah, actually really similar, I think, to what you guys are doing. And there's okay. such a need for it. I mean, when I I was Googling and she was really the only person that came up when I, I really I wanted I didn't want to go in person. I wanted to be able to talk from my bed. So yeah. there is a need for this birth consulting. Um, but then ultimately, you know, I really wanted a doula in person for my birth experience. Absolutely. And that's like, I, when we were kind of, you know, and I don't want to segue too much from your story, Mm -hmm. but when we were coming up with this uh, or seeing the need really for birth consulting, Mm -hmm. we were really trying to create a new member of the birth team that like, and not take away from doulas. Cause obviously we're all doulas. We love doulas. There's nothing like in-person support for the actual birth, but we were like, but there needs to be more support. And that, that, you know, comes before, prenatally and then of course after postpartum and so that's where we felt like that need was and we saw that need was and that's where the birth consulting thing was so I'm so glad honestly that you had her 
yeah and ultimately obviously that we met because we yeah. totally hit it off and, yeah um just had just had a ball together yeah, so it's true um, okay so we met around you said 26 or 27 weeks for our prenatal we had yep. a few prenatals mm-hmm. and then um walk us through yeah like the end of your pregnancy and kind of moving towards labor what did that all look like for you yeah I should preface by saying I had a high-risk pregnancy um mm-hmm. and I I actually briefly just want to mention I got genetic testing done before I got pregnant after I went off birth control my mom had had a very rough pregnancy history and we mm-hmm. had the same OBGYN based out in New York And I felt that she very smartly suggested I get genetic testing done because we weren't quite sure why my mom's pregnancy history was so rough. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns out through this genetic testing that I had two genetic mutations, which I'm learning are actually more common than I thought. So I had Mm. uh, the prothrombin gene mutation and MTHFR. so my, my blood is basically more, is tipped more towards clotting than flowing, yet I've never had a blood clot before. So I just preface that because my pregnancy was high risk right. because of this. Um, but actually, you know, I feel lucky in the sense that the pregnancy was fairly uneventful. So I started um, injecting myself with Lovenox, which is a blood thinner. Uh, I started at eight weeks. So I did that every day. And you know, it just became part of my routine at night. Like I brush my teeth, I wash my face, I inject my Lovenox and Mm -hmm. I go to bed. Um, And so I I did that from eight weeks on. And pregnancy, like I said, was uneventful, you know, in terms of being high risk, I was on the lower end of high risk. Um, Mm And I think it's notable that I also switched practices at 18 weeks, which and I was, why was that I, so with high risk pregnancies, I, I learned through my pregnancy that often there's a high risk doctor who consults the general practice. And I was having a really hard time because I had a high risk doctor based out of Alexandria Anova, And then I had my practice uh, that was separate. And so they, the doctors were supposed to communicate, but I found out that I was needing to be the main source of communication between the two of them. And they, and they, as different doctors and different practices had different opinions. And I was at a point or, you know, mentally during my pregnancy, I needed a professional to give me advice. I didn't want to be going back and forth. Um, It was just too challenging for me mentally. And so I, I really debated switching um, and I ultimately switched to a high risk practice. So they don't consult with outside doctors. They only take high risk patients. It's like that's what they do, right? That's what they do. Mm -hmm. They came highly recommended by a friend of mine who also had a high risk pregnancy. And it was such a great change. I was so scared to make the change almost halfway through pregnancy, but I am really glad I did. I feel like, and that's such a common um, sentiment to pause on because so many women and families, not just women have this, this struggle of like, okay, do I switch? Am I with the right place? It's 18 weeks. It's 28 weeks. I've even seen 38 weeks before, Mm -hmm. which is, seems really late in the game, you know? Um, But I will say just from experience, and I'm not just talking about, you know, your story, but 
I feel like most people that do make the switch don't end up regretting it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's people, you know, there's outliers to that and that doesn't apply to everyone, but I just feel like it's such, it seems like such a big decision and you really spend a lot of time and thought thinking about it. And if you do ultimately do it, it just, it usually tends to work out in your favor is just what I've seen. Yeah, it was just, it was the right thing to do. And I, I obviously took responsibility for my pregnancy and I was doing some research to make sure I was asking questions at every appointment, but really what it came down to is I felt too responsible about major components of my pregnancy that the doctors weren't communicating on. So my practice I switched to was excellent. And then I you know how I feel about Dr. Gomez. I could yeah. not have had a better experience. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so. Okay. That, so yeah. at 18 weeks you switch and this is all mm-hmm. still before we even met. Yeah. This is all before we met. And again, I mean, I, you know, my appointments were, I didn't have more appointments cause I was high risk. I had an ultrasound every appointment. So that was a big difference. Uh-huh. Um, but again, pregnancy was super uneventful. I didn't travel because of the the potential risk of clotting. Mm -hmm. So it was an opportunity to kind of settle in and lay low. And then I'd say at, so maybe at 34 weeks, we had our second prenatal appointment and my pregnancy took a turn towards being more eventful at around 35 weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, I had had Braxton Hicks contractions throughout the third trimester. Um, but I, I started to have contractions that, you know, everyone said, you'll know when you're in labor, you'll Mm -hmm. know, you'll know the difference between Braxton Hicks and real labor. But my contractions were getting longer and a little more uncomfortable. And I was teaching at this point. So I, you know, I think it was my at the beginning of my 36th week, the contractions were lasting longer, we had been in touch. And, you know, I was timing them. And my husband was helping me kind of figure out was there a pattern? Were they consistent? I ended up at the OB triage at the hospital, because they were consistent. And they were kind of taking my breath away a little bit more than Braxton Hicks, which was just, you know, a little uncomfortable. Um, So it turns out I had gone into preterm labor. Um, and I was having contractions. My, I, I mean, I don't actually know technically, I guess my uterus was contracting thinking it was in labor, but there was no cervical change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, they I went, did, so when you yeah. went into that OB triage, they did like a vaginal exam and checked yep. to see if you were dilated and all that good stuff. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I was not dilated. And so they actually gave me a shot of tributylene, mm-hmm. um, to stop the labor. So they, Mm -hmm. and what I later learned was it's just stopping labor temporarily because I think 36 hours later, I was back Mm -hmm. with the same thing. So my, again, and I'm still teaching, this is the beginning of June. So, but again, my body was going into labor, but there was still no cervical change. Um, And so that happened twice. And then The other thing that happened, again, I said, you know, pregnancy was uneventful till the last couple of weeks. Um, They were doing, was it, what is it, a stress test? 
mm-hmm. non stress yeah, tests. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were doing that, and um, the baby's heart rate had dropped and then took a while to recover back to what was considered normal. So it was actually my doctor who sent me to triage. I think that it was the third time in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening was they monitored the baby's heart rate. And again, they did another cervical exam. And what they did was they admitted me into the hospital. They brought me up to the labor and delivery floor. But, but they said, there's a chance we're going to send you home in the morning. Your doctor just wants us to monitor you. Mm-hmm. And so they, again, it was preterm labor that was stopped. I was at this point um, 36 weeks and five days. Um, and so, so like barely yeah. preterm, but yeah, barely yeah. preterm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, um, you know, they had me walking all around the hospital. They were trying, trying to get the baby, you know, trying to see if the baby was ready to come. Um, and ultimately I ended up on the labor and delivery floor, really not knowing what was going to happen next, which I found to be really mentally challenging. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when you're that pregnant, you, you want answers and I'm a planner. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to know what was going to happen next. And we were texting and I know Chris was texting you, but it was like, it was just, I don't know. I mean, I just had to practice patience because there really, there were no answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that, in that, but that's hard. Right. And it's so like hard time and you know how the baby's doing and how your body is doing are really going to give us those answers. And that's so hard in that moment especially like you said, when you're so pregnant, cause it's such yeah. a vulnerable space to be that pregnant, you know, right. um, yeah. it's just, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was just mentally challenging. Um, mm-hmm. and so I was in, I was in labor and delivery and of course it's like, you know, families reaching out, like, should we come? Should we not? Cause my family's in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris's family's in Boston. So we ended up spending the night, they monitored me and it was the next morning when my, one of the doctors from the practice who I really, really liked and was hoping he'd be the one to deliver, um, he came in and he said, you know what, baby's heart rate dropped. It took a while to recover. We know that he's big. We think he's at least seven pounds, seven and a half pounds, right? Your mm-hmm. this is your body telling us that it, it's time to have a baby. He said, I don't, I'm worried if we wait longer, I don't want something to happen. And we know you're 36 weeks and six days pregnant. The baby is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. And, and I should mention that before all of this happened, I had a set induction date because of the high risk pregnancy they were going to induce me at 39 weeks regardless. Um, uh, you know, and, and that, that was, yeah. if I remember, it was like right around the 4th of July, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So my induction date was, it was weird because I went to the doctor and they said, pick your son's birthday. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> any, any week, any day, the first week of July. And mm-hmm. so I, I called my husband. I'm like, well, you know, July 4th could be hard because they're you know, like it's right. a holiday, but then there are fireworks and he has fireworks right, on his year. birthday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we picked July 2nd because we thought it was a little before the holiday. Anyway, none of this matters mm-hmm. because right. he was born June 15th. 
Um, So I had an induction date set and without getting too into it, this, this was all a little more complicated because my blood thinner Lovenox, which I mentioned earlier, I had to switch to heparin, which I believe was a more purified form of the medication. So I switched at about 36 weeks and logistically I, I couldn't be, I couldn't labor at home because they needed me off the heparin in case I was going to get an epidural or a C-section. So I couldn't be on the heparin for that, but I couldn't be home without being on the medication. There was just a lot of logistics, like like mental, like, okay, I have to remember this because it has to be X amount of hours before I would get an epidural. Yeah. 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 So like it needed to be out of my system. And so it really did put me at ease being at the hospital actually, because Mm -hmm. I was getting the care and attention and I wasn't Mm -hmm. on this medication that I had been taking for eight months. Right. So that was a little nerve wracking. Um, so the doctor came in, he said, we're going to induce you. I think I was like one or two centimeters dilated. And he said, you know, we want to get this baby out. And I just loved his calm demeanor. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't feel urgent. It didn't feel rushed. It just felt like, okay, this is going to happen. And we're doing it. We're doing it. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they explained the process. They hooked me up to Pitocin, which, you know, obviously having my body go into natural labor would have been ideal, but I become really comfortable with the idea of being induced because Mm -hmm. they had started talking to me about that, you know, in the first trimester, like this is, this is how it's going to go down. Um, And again, it was such a medical pregnancy because it was high risk. I feel like, you know, having a doula and working with a doula during pregnancy and then, you know, having you there was such a great support because I wanted to make it feel a little less medical. Mm-hmm. It is so emotional and mentally taxing. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to lose sight of that. So. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah. So, so let's see. So they induced me um, and they gave me, I, I was looking back in our text messages to see if I was updating you at this point, which I was, they gave me a sleeping pill. I was so sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Um, already. I probably and, told you to ask for it. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> you did tell me to ask for it. Cause I was saying, I was saying, so they said they can give me this. And you said, yeah, mm-hmm. that's perfect. So I actually got to take a two hour nap while they were giving me Pitocin a low dose, mm-hmm. um, which was so amazing. Right. Like I, yeah. I, it was so great. And I, I'm, I'm kind of known as the sleep Nazi and I, I totally, yeah. it's like a self-proclaimed thing, but you know, you just, when you've been through this before, you know, yeah, that, that sleep in those early stages or before an induction is so crucial and can be such a game changer, especially later on when things really are happening. And then yeah. of course there's no guarantee of sleep once the baby comes out and there's just lots going on. So yeah, sleep, sleep, sleep in the beginning when you can, you know? Yeah. And I really appreciate that because I think that's the last good nap I took ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I still remember that nap. I still remember I that know. nap. Yep, it was two hours of bliss in a hospital bed. So, <laughs> yep, I know. I know. Yeah. So, so anyway, once I woke up, I know that they were increasing the dose of Pitocin by four. I forget what the measurement was, but I was still at a 
pretty low dose and um, there was some cervical change, but at this point I was maybe four centimeters dilated. Um, so I, you know, still had a ways to go. And I remember midday, like if I'm remembering correctly around, you know, 12 or one, they broke my water. Mm -hmm. And that is when, to me, that is when labor really started. I mean, my contractions, I was just breathing through them. They were, they were very manageable leading up to them breaking my water. Um, and I'd say after they broke my water, I sort of feel like that's when, that's when all the tools that we had learned through our conversations with you and our birth class, I feel like that's when everything started to really come into play. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and that's know, so awesome, right? That you had those tools, you know, 100%. it's all about like, the, what, what do I have in my toolbox? What can I use right now? And if you don't know, you know, prenatally what you have in your toolbox, you can't use that in the moment. So that's right. That you had those to rely on. Yeah. I was very grateful for the birth class that we had done because I mean, Chris was like ready to spring into action. He's like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it helped that he knew from the birth class, what was actually happening to my body. I feel like that's so important for the partner to know like mm -hmm. what is actually happening, but then how, I mean, he played a huge role in supporting me. So he, you know, he jumped on it like that counter pressure pushing into my back um, through contractions and he, uh, you know, or letting me squeeze his hand till I almost he's, broke his bones. <laughs> he's what I call um, a doodla. Have I ever yeah. told you that phrase? No, that but that's that? amazing. He's totally a doodla. Like those dads <laughs> that just like jump right in and they're, yeah. so, you know, they learn all the tools. They want to be hands on. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he's awesome. He was great. Yeah, he was phenomenal. So, so that's when labor really started. I think Chris probably texted you around one or two. Um, and I know that you were, by the time you were there, I was, I was in active labor. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so I was probably six centimeters dilated at that point. You got there in the afternoon and I just, you know, it's a little bit of a blur, but what I do remember is that it was like you and Chris were really working. Like every time I had a contraction, you guys were each doing different things to help me through it. And I was able to move around. I was so scared I was going to be stuck to the bed. You know, I mm -hmm. couldn't really picture what labor was going to look like for me. I think it's hard to picture until you're in it, actually. Mm -hmm. Um well, and it's also circumstantial, right? A hundred percent. You know, like, so t tell me a little bit about those, like, w what positions were we doing? Like, kind of like if someone was listening, like, w walk them around what that hospital room might look like. Are you in the bed? Yeah. Are you leaning? Are we, in, you know, in the bathroom? Yeah, so I, I was, you know, on all fours or leaning against the bed, like sitting on a ball and kind of had my arms up against the bed leaning. Mm hmm um, so any way that would allow you or Chris to push on my back, that counter pressure was everything for me during labor. Mm -hmm. It was almost, it was distracting like that pain, not pain, but the pressure in the back distracted me from the feeling of the contraction. Okay. So it really, so, so that, and then at one point I was actually on my knees at the top of the bed. Um, with my hands up, at, you know, holding on where my head would go. Mm -hmm. So 
moving around and going to the bathroom. I was in the bathroom for some of it, um, but I do remember all fours and then sitting on the ball. Um, and just, you know, at some point before you got there, my mom and sister had come in just having the support and the help. What was great was I didn't need to tell anyone what to do, which mm-hmm. is exactly what I needed. Like mm-hmm. I, um, and you know, I, I remember Chris, Chris had made me a, a playlist, you know, like mm-hmm. for, for labor, which was amazing until it wasn't right. right. Like, exactly. It was so great until I was like, turn Jack Johnson off. off. Like, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, it's, you get yeah. to a point um, of just like everything, ex- it, like everything external, any external stimulation is like too much, right? Yeah, exactly. So much inside. Yeah, but it was, it was, it felt very, this is going to sound so crazy. It felt very doable at this point in labor. So I don't know if this was part of me, you know, coming from an athletic background and, you know, as a rower, it's like, you're always thinking, you know, it's only four minutes of work. It's only Mm -hmm. two minutes of work. And so my mentality was, oh, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's painful. It's uncomfortable, but what's a minute and a half I can Mm -hmm. do anything for a minute and a half so I feel like that mentality I love that (laughs) That, that's so powerful though I mean it really yeah it really is true to the mentality piece is so much of it you know it's like yeah oh that's that's really cool thanks for sharing yeah yeah no I mean that that kept me going well it kept me going till it didn't (laughs) right (laughs) so that that mentality and a lot of the breathing work that I had learned I did a hypnobirthing class um, but I wasn't necessarily practicing hypnobirthing in the mm-hmm. hospital, mm-hmm. but a lot of the breathing strategies just really helped me. I remember at about six or seven centimeters um, dilated, the doctor came in and, you know, and checked and said, this would be the time I'd recommend an epidural if you want one. And the, you know, the doctors they're I wouldn't say they're aggressively pushing the epidural, but I felt like there was a, there was a suggestion that it would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I just felt like, you know, I've really, this is under control. It's uncomfortable, but I've got it. Um, so no, I don't want it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, okay, well, you know, six to seven centimeters is the time that we recommend. Um, but, you know, if you don't want it, no one was going to force it on me. And so right. labor continued And I think, and, and it really did, it started to amp up and it was exciting because, you know, it just, I, I knew that our son was going to be born that day. I mean, it was such a crazy feeling like at the end of this, we're going to have, you know, a baby who we've been dying to meet for so long. So I, I was almost fully dilated and I felt like as labor progressed, the contractions were getting longer, obviously. And um, I was losing strategies. I was in terms of my breathing, in terms of pushing through the discomfort. I was I was exhausted. And I definitely started to go downhill a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to and the craziest part about this was during the contraction, Yes, it's uncomfortable and there's pain, but when after the contraction, I was totally myself. So mm-hmm. I was trying to like 
take naps in like, you know, the short amount of time I had between contractions and say yes to the dress was on. And so I'd have a contraction and then I'd be like, oh my God, that dress was horrible. I just took a sip of my tea and I think I just snorted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like it was on the entire time through labor. Yes, I remember. And so I would, you know, I'd be like, oh my God, that dress is horrible. And then I'd be like, one's coming. And here we you know, go. And then like you and Chris would get into position to help me. So, so I have to I, remind yeah. you that like, first of all, you're amazing and strong, but you were also doing this with Pitocin, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Like it's, it, they were really powerful contractions. And we know that when you have Pitocin, that hormonal wash that you get in between, um, that kind of like it gives, they get, you know, we get a little oxytocin when, um, it's an, mm-hmm. like an oxytocin rush in between a contraction that is not fueled by Pitocin. And you don't get that when you are yeah. on Pitocin. So to, to be where you were and just like still watching, say yes to the dress and still like, <laughs> this is really hard during the contractions, but essentially you're, you're pretty much complete at this point at 10 centimeters, just about. Yeah. And so like that I just want you to remind you like that you're a total badass (laughs) thank you really hard yeah it was I mean it was hard but I would say what helped was knowing and I knew this in advance that Pitocin contractions just don't follow that kind of beautiful natural bell curve um, that a natural contraction would and Mm -hmm. so just even having the knowledge and again I knew I was going to be induced most likely um so this wasn't a surprise, but yes, I mean, I'd say nine and a half, 10 centimeters, basically fully dilated. I, I mentally just, I started to lose it a little bit. I mean, there's no better way to put it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just, I was exhausted. I was, I was, I had all these tools in my toolbox. I felt like I had exhausted them and I had the encouragement of you and Chris but I got to the point and I had promised myself, I am going to go in to birth with a flexible mindset. So I don't want to say all natural. I don't want to say yes, epidural. I just want to say whatever I need, I'm not going to be afraid to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I love and that. yeah, and I feel like that was good for me because I am by, you know, I'm just naturally really hard on myself. And so it took me a while to kind of get to that mentality of, you know what, I'm just going to do what works for me, not what my friend did, not, you know, not what I read about on the blog. So but Chloe, that's such an emotionally, not even emotionally, it's such a mature thing to say, because a lot of yeah. people don't say that they say, you know, my neighbor did this, or if this person right. did this, like, you know, I'm stronger than them. And, and we, and, and this is usually internal chatter, right? Or just with, right. with like your partner or someone very close to you. But it's such a highly individual experience and it's so circumstantial. So to go into it and just say like, I am going to take what comes and I'm not going to have a set plan. I'm going to, and you prepared, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you had a lot of support around you. You educated yourself, you empowered yourself, but to go in that way, I, I just, I commend you for that because especially the first time, you know, it's, um, it's just a really mature thing. And you are, you're an overachiever, you guys, whoever's listening, she has a 10 month old at home and she's in a PhD program. <laughs> she's, she's a total rock star. So, um, all right, sorry. I had, I had to intervene. Go on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I, I feel like that mentality served me well. Um, maybe a little bit too late in the game for me to be feeling this way, but I felt like I need the epidural. And so in between contractions, I know, 
you, you and Chris were talking and trying to figure out what would be best for me. And I said, the nurse needs to get in here. Like I, I need the epidural. I'm losing it. I mean, in other words, I, I didn't say it this, um, this eloquently. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, the doctors were hesitant. I mean, I was fully dilated Mm -hmm. and giving me an epidural that late in the game, the contractions were intense and they were longer. And I was going to be pushing soon ish. Um, They were really hesitant and it really came down to the fact that I just, I just felt like I needed it. I really, my body I know my body wasn't failing me because my body was doing so many amazing things to get this baby out of me. But I was, I mentally was losing a little bit of my strength. And I just, I felt like, you know what, I really, I really need this. And so they were going to do a half dose of the epidural, um, which I, they were hesitant again to do, but I had really said, I want, all I wanted was to feel when to push. That was my big thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So they came in, it was, it was a little challenging to administer the epidural because they had to do it in between contractions, but inevitably I had a contraction while administering it. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is common, especially like later on, it's it's hard. Yeah, it was hard. So, you know, they, they were able to do it and it was, I had been so scared of like the pain of it. I mean, I didn't feel anything. It was like, it was, it was easy, honestly, getting the epidural and the hardest part was sitting still through two contractions while they administered it. I mean, that was, Chris said, I, I truly almost broke his hand. Um, <laughs> he was such a trooper. So once I got the epidural, they gave me a half dose and I, I continued to feel the contractions to a point that I felt was not manageable. And so they gave me the full dose and, you know, and then I was, I had to be on the bed, but at that point, all that was left was pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I skipped a part. I think that I, I'm going to butcher the language here, but before the epidural, I did start pushing a little bit. Cause I remember you saying that I had the urge to like bear down. Is that the language? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you were, like I could tell you were involuntarily bearing down a little bit like with right 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 there was like a shift in kind of the the guttural moaning that comes mm-hmm. with all of this mm-hmm. um, Absolutely, you're good yeah that's yeah. exactly it yeah so you know I actually had like an hour and a half before I really started pushing those so getting the epidural ended up being a great thing for me because I got the epidural around seven ish and I didn't start pushing till nine. Mm-hmm. And so I, I recall kind of, you know, taking a light nap and just relaxing on the bed and kind of mentally resting before pushing began. Um, and it was exciting. I remember because they, you know, the doctor was getting suited up and they were wheeling in like the baby, the whole setup the baby warmer mm-hmm. um and so it started to feel real it's like this is happening and within hours like I'm going to be holding you know we're going to be holding our son so mm-hmm. um yeah I mean pushing began started around nine I I found pushing to be so hard I mean there's just there's no way out of I I could feel it too um which I was so happy about and I just 
pushing was really physically demanding. Um, it is, especially that first baby. And, and yeah, and epidural makes it harder, even though you can feel it. It's still like, it's just a little awkward, right? You're like, yeah, uh, like, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, lot. yeah, it's a lot. So I was really, um, and you know, the nurse is giving suggestions, but ultimately, I really need like, I needed the mental and emotional support a lot more than like, the the logistics that the nurse was kind of throwing at me um and so you and Chris were an integral part of that and I pushed for like an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes and my hands down favorite part of the entire experience was at the end of pushing um just like in the last few pushes my doctor pulled such an incredible move and he oh my gosh he said he said, stop pushing and just enjoy this moment. And, <laughs> and you happen to have gotten it on video, which makes it even better. Um, and so, I, oh my he God, was so amazing. he was so amazing. And after a very medical pregnancy, it just made my life to have to mm-hmm. really like stop and hold Chris's hand and my mom was in the room and, you know, she had her hand on my head and to just actually enjoy this moment that would forever change my life. It was, it was beyond, it was, and in that sense, it's like, yes, it was a medical birth, but it truly, Keenan was born and it was like, I really did enjoy that moment. And I don't, I just feel so lucky to be able to say that. Um, So it was, you know, and, and where it really mattered to me having your support and then also having Chris educated on all of this was after Keenan was born, he was born at 36 weeks and six days. He was an hour and a half from being 37 weeks, mm-hmm. but they, they needed to stick to their protocol. He right. was a preterm baby. He's and, a preemie. And this yeah. Is and-, and I mean, he was seven pounds. 15 ounces. I mean, he, like he, this was not a small baby. Um, and you guys really advocated and helped me out. Like I wanted skin to skin. I wanted him to latch and they were, they really wanted to take him away. They needed to get his blood, blood sugars. And it, it was a balancing act in the end. Um, you know, for, for safety, they, they really needed to run certain tests on him, but you and Chris were able to help negotiate, well, you especially, more skin-to-skin time. And, you know, it was just, I, it, it was, the whole experience, I really feel like could I couldn't have asked for a better experience. You know, there, <laughs> there was at one point, there was a nurse who got a little frustrated in, yeah. in the room because yes. I was really low on energy. And I feel yeah. like you had the best best tip ever which was to take a tiny sip of soda I needed like some sugar I needed some energy right and you had gotten the doctor's approval to just make sure he was okay with it and Mm -hmm. I swear it worked wonders for me but she Mm -hmm. was just she she she, was like what is this hippy dippy but then she brings a (laughs) coca-cola so for people listening we should also say you were and you mentioned this but you were with a high-risk practice yeah. at the DC, one of the DC area's most high risk hospitals. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
that is absolutely the place you want to be when you have a, a true, true emergency or a very, very young baby, which Keenan was not right. Um, right. We're talking like earlier than 30 weeks type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they see that kind of stuff. Right. And yeah. so um, one of the cool things about, you know, being a doula is going to all the different places in your particular region and seeing how, um, the care and the protocols and um, what's considered normal or the culture of the different places can be so vastly different, right? So, right. you know, five miles as the bird, as the crow flies at a different hospital, they're like, that's where I learned that trick of like, mm-hmm. here, give them a little Coca-Cola, give them a little caffeine and a little bit of sugar, just little sips, you know, and it helps them to push that baby out when they're exhausted, right? Yeah. Um, but again, you were at a hospital where they were like, that's new to us. We've never seen that, you know, or, we, you know, that particular nurse hadn't seen that before. Um, yeah. But I feel like we navigated it okay. And, uh, oh, 100%. I mean, you handled that so well. And and I will say, I have recommended a can of Coke to every friend of mine yes. who has delivered. I'm just like, <laughs> yes. I know I know you don't drink soda, but seriously, I mean, it, yeah. I just feel like it really helped me. So we're so making you, a, you know. like an arrow birth, like a uh, PDF. Um, you know, it's on that list of like things we're going to do. I swear we're going to get around to it. Mary, if you're listening to this, my, my business partner, she's like, stop promising these PDFs. We got to finish them. You know? um, but, the, and that's going to be on our, you know, our recommended, you know, what to pack for the hospital kind of birth list or even the birth center, wherever you're birthing. Um, right. And it's just one of those, those tricks that you only know from experience. And like, it just, it helps. Oh it my helps. gosh. It really does. Yeah. So he was, you know, he was technically a preterm baby, but he was, you know, born happy and healthy. And it was, you know, it was a little bit of an ordeal because we did have to follow protocol of a Mm preterm baby, um, Mm -hmm. which included a lot of blood sugar tests and really monitoring. And he had to take do the car seat challenge, which he actually inevitably failed multiple times. So we took him home in a car bed, not a car seat, a car bed, because uh-huh. um, of his oxygen levels, they were dropping. But mm. yeah, I mean, and then I'd say, I'd say for me, more than anything, breastfeeding was by far the greatest challenge of all of this. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people say that you're not alone yeah. in that sentiment. And, well, that's um, good. <laughs> It's, it's definitely a challenge. It was a challenge for me with my, for after I had my, my twins, which were mm-hmm. my first babies and countless clients and friends. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a journey just like yeah. the birth and the, and the, and, and motherhood and parenthood. But, right. um, yeah, um, I want to, I want to cycle back real quick and just say, you know, you were talking about that moment with Dr. Gomez and mm-hmm. I forever have that moment imprinted in my memory as well. He yeah. was, he, he just, to me, and I don't want to, I don't want to take away any part of your story, but like, he just seemed like this, like euphoric angel that came oh, in at the know. end. Yeah. And, um, you know, you said something and you were like, but it was a medicated birth. Um, to me, there's no, but, you know, this right. is your story. And it's like, it, your story is your story. And, and I think that, it just, it's perfect just the way that it is. And, and just right. the, the Dr. Gomez thing is just the, you know, the cherry on top of like for him to give you that moment and, you know, to, and to, to create that moment, not give you that moment, but to create yeah. that moment is just, is just something that's, it's obviously priceless, you know? And yeah, um, yeah I just, you know, you were so amazing. And I, I just, I always want people to like, 
um, feel good about their birth stories, right? If, if yeah. possible, right? If they're an active participant in it, usually you can feel you can feel positive about about what happened and um, just celebrate all births. Like it's not like oh it's medicated, oh it's C-section, oh it's unmedicated. It's like this is your story and this is real life and it's messy and it's it's right. complicated and it's real and it's raw and and that's the beauty of it, you know, the imperfectness of it and. Yeah, I don't know. which you know which can I'm be a hundred percent. I mean, and I just I I feel like the experience was truly humbling in the sense that no matter. I mean, also the birth is just one moment of a very mm-hmm. long pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so I yeah. I feel like the mentality. I mean, the birth so did not define those nine months of being pregnant at mm-hmm. all. But I because my experience, I was really happy with my experience. I mean, like you said, it was, it was kind of the cherry on top, but I, I don't know. I, I have learned to have a more open mind. Maybe parenthood has done that to me, but I, I tried to learn during pregnancy to have an open mind and not set these expectations on what or how to do things. And that's, I think that's helped during parenthood because I, obviously don't know what I'm doing really (laughs) (laughs) all of us get this baby and then we're like okay where's the instruction manual?" right yeah like like, I still don't know what I'm doing but you know I know I know we all just figure it out Um, well Chloe you know I just love and adore you guys you and Chris Mm, and and I just I'm so appreciative of you sharing your story it's such a it's such a powerful story and um I love so many aspects of it but just the fact that you um, you know, it was a high risk pregnancy. You knew you mm-hmm. were going to have an induction. You had to do Lovenox starting at eight weeks every single day. You had to be a very active participant in your medical care, which ultimately um, you switched practice through the pregnancy. Um, you reached out for support throughout the pregnancy from the online doula and then, of course, myself. And um, you had support around you at the birth. Your mom and your sister yeah. were so amazing when you were getting the epidural. I don't know if you know, but we were like outside in the hallway, like giddy and crying. Oh. And just, like, so many emotions. And I didn't know that. Please give them a hug for me. And oh, I um, will. They just, they were so, they were so cute and so excited. And, um, <laughs> it was just, it was just a great time. It really was. Yeah, it really was. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Yeah, absolutely. All right, honey, I'm going to hang up on this thing and I'm going to. Um, All right. And we'll Fabulous. touch base soon. Okay. So good chatting with you. you Love too, all the Chloe. work you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.